Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. Um, my name is Liz, and I am one of the lead pastors here at Life. And it's um, if you notice, Dan is not here. We had a good spring break. Uh, we went a few days um, to St. Louis, but we also came home with the flu. So, uh, Dan, Dan, you can pray for Dan. He's not doing well. <laughs> but um, my oldest, she's doing better today, um, and then the rest of us have made it made it through. So, just keep that going because you know can't go down again. So, anyways, yes, Dan's online. You can you can pray for him. Um, but join us for lunch. We'd love to see you for lunch. I know there are some diehard Illini fans that are running out the door, so we bless you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and we bless the game and uh, hope that goes well for you. But um, the rest of us can, can stay and eat. Um, we are in our Lent series um, <clears throat> this morning. Uh, and so this is, you know, the few weeks leading up to Easter. We're about a month away from Easter, and um, the weather outside makes me just feel refreshed and like, oh, we're moving towards Easter, towards new life and spring, and it's wonderful. You know, so um, about a year and a half ago, we moved here from Louisiana, and there's no seasons in Louisiana, right? It's just hot and a little less hot. And uh, so when we moved back, we're both from Illinois. When we moved back to Illinois, springtime um, caught my attention in a way that it has never caught my attention. It was like I smelled everything that started growing in a new way. And I, I was just like constantly just blown away at like my senses, just experiencing spring again, you know, after living a season away. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to enter into spring. I'm excited for Good Friday. We transform this place into Reflections on the Cross, and it's this interactive experience, um, kind of like the time that Jesus went to the cross and the different things he experienced, and it's, it's a fabulous time. So we have some good things coming here um, during our Lent season. So I'm glad you are here with us this morning. So we're going to be diving into the book of Psalms and looking at Psalms and what they um, can express for us during this season of Lent. Um, the Psalms are like this book of poems, right? And they express this range of human emotion. And they were often used for um, singing, Back in Jewish worship, um, you know, they might have used it like a hymn. They might have recited it, used it for confession or prayer. And they would use these psalms during times of gathered worship. And the psalms really offer us just like a picture of the human heart that we all have. We all find ourselves with a range of emotions throughout our life, right? And they're all, they're all represented in the Psalms, you know? You have frustration and pain. You have complete despair. You read about injustice and courage and trust and praise and joy and thankfulness. It's all there. And we can all find ourselves somewhere 
in Psalms. We can all read something that we're like, yeah, I've, I've experienced something similar. I resonate with that feeling. I resonate with that desperation. The Psalms help us live honestly before God. And they help us live with this range of human emotion and saying, you know, living like that before God is the best way for human flourishing. That's the way for us to flourish, is living this honest life before God. We can sometimes make the mistake that we have to, to come to God with, with like our stuff all packaged nice and neat, you know, here's our our packaged prayers, here's our self all cleaned up, here's like the formal way we have to interact with God. But the Psalms kind of blow the lid off of, of that reality and say, no, you can come to God completely messy and vulnerable and, you know, just lay it all out because you have an all-knowing, all-loving God who embraces you with mercy and love. And actually, the, the closer you are with God, the more vulnerability is required. You know, that's the way it is in human relationship. The closer you get with someone, the more vulnerable you become with someone. And that's the way it is with God. He is relational. And that is what sets him apart from any other God and religion, is that he is a relational God. So when we enter into relationship with him, he wants to be known and he wants to know us. And so we get to share the deepest things in our heart and we get to express who we are to him. <clears throat> now, David is one of the main authors of Psalms. He wrote... Um, probably over half of the Psalms, uh, 73 to actually be exact. And um, we see David's life represented in these Psalms. You know, you can read some of the backstory of what was going on in his life that um, motivated him to write these Psalms. And so we'll, we'll dive into that later in this series. But um, David had radical faith in the midst of having very difficult situations in his life. Um, and he lays out those difficulties quite honestly, and he lays out his emotions honestly before God. He confesses his sin, he confesses his failures, he confesses his sin or his frustration and anger, you know, and then he offers praise and thanksgiving. And you can kind of feel jolted around when you're reading the Psalms. It's like this roller coaster, right? Like you can read, um, you know, David is just like laying it out, right? He might be so um, overwhelmed, desperate. And then the next few lines, he just transitions quickly into praise and trust and thanksgiving. And so it can just feel like this roller coaster sometimes when you read the Psalms. But I think that is relatable for us because we can interact in the same way. We can just be like, God, what the heck? Like, please change this situation. Please move in this relationship. Please take this pain away. <sighs> okay, 
but what can I do but trust you, right? What can I do but just stand in your presence? And when we're with a friend, right, we trust that we have trusted friends in our life that we just lay it all out to, right? And we say, this is going on and this is going on. I'm so frustrated and overwhelmed by this. And you do that with a trusted friend because you know they're not, they're not gonna like turn away and walk out. Like they're there to embrace who you really are. And that's what God is like. He's a trusted friend. We are called friends of God. And David is kind of like our prayer coach showing us like, this is how you interact with God. This is how you offer honest and heartfelt prayers to God. So the Psalms, they're like this pathway to pursue God's presence in the good and the bad of life. That's what David is showing us. You know, the age-old problem of humanity is that we want to hide our junk, right? We want to hide those things um, that are bad in our life that cause, cause guilt and shame, and we want to just stuff them down deep and repress those things. Um, we stay quiet about our, our sin and our brokenness. <clears throat> it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard. It's a risky, scary, uncomfortable thing. You know, when I was a kid um, growing up, I had a really nice neighbor that lived next door, and he was a, a grandpa and he had grandkids that would come and visit every summer. And they would, you know, have an extended stay at his house. And I was an only child, so anytime there was, like, playmates around for the summer, I was, like, all about it, right? And so his grandkids would come to play, and we would just, you know, play all day, make things, create things, do all kinds of stuff. And... Um, this one day, we were hanging out in our neighbor's garage, and he had one of those cool garages that like had couches and a dartboard, um, a fridge. You know, it wasn't just like a garage where you parked your car. You know, it was kind of like a hangout zone, right? So we're hanging out in the garage, and we get into the extra fridge, and we start drinking pop, right? And he even has one of those can crusher things, you know, that makes them like flat. And so we are drinking pop, and then we start drinking some more pop, and then we just start drinking more pop, and we're just like <laughs> binge drinking pop, you know? And then we get caught, like the, the grandpa comes out and sees like we've just like created this, you know, pile of crushed pop, and I just felt instantly terrible. Like, you know, I knew we weren't supposed to just like binge drink all the pop in the, in the fridge, right? Um, I mean, we, we drank a lot of pop. And so, you know, I got told to go back home and we got in trouble for all the pop that we drank, you know, because just one pop is enough for like an eight-year-old. I know, I have, I have one. Um, and so I go home and I remember... I unplugged our phone from the wall jack, right? <laughs> unplugged it. That was, you know, before cell phones, right? And so <clears throat> for me, this is like the first time I can remember like trying to cover up my sin, right? Where I, I knew rationally like 
my neighbor could walk over and tell my dad what I had done, right? That was a possibility. But if they were gonna call my house, I was gonna intercept all communication that my uh, bad behavior was gonna be told, right? Um, and so they never called, you know, I unplugged the phone. I, I still honestly don't even know to this day uh, if they had a conversation about it because I didn't get in trouble from my dad, so that was great. Um, but I see that pattern even in my own kids right now, you know? There's a tendency when they get in trouble to hide what they have done. And that is just in us, you know? Um, our first thought isn't like, yes, let me just come clean with all my junk and all my wrongdoings and all my secrets, right? But we all have stories of covering up our wrongdoings, of covering up our secrets. We all have secrets right now, all of us. We have them and we carry them around and we hide them and we hide them from our own selves. We hide them from God and we hide them from others. And we just carry around this weight of our sin and we don't wanna open up relationally to God, to other people, to find that peace in his presence, to really be fully embraced by him. And so we live just like cut off from the source of life that is available to us. When we try to just keep all of our junk hidden and suppressed and pushed down deep and unplugging the phone jack so that just nobody can, nobody can communicate about what is really there. And that's, you know, that's what the story in the very beginning of the Bible, that's how it started. Adam and Eve were the very first humans that God created, and they lived in this garden. They enjoyed perfect fellowship with God. But then they turned and, and disobeyed God and decided, like, we're going to we're gonna seek to govern ourselves by eating of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And immediately after that decision, they became vulnerable. You know, the scripture says they became aware of their nakedness and they felt shame because of that. And you know what happens when, when God draws near, when, he, when they feel his presence and they sense his presence coming near and God goes after them, they hide. That is what they do. Genesis 3, 8 through 11, this is what it says. So when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord among the trees. And then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? You know, even as God questions them and tries to interact with them, they, they immediately shift the blame, try to avoid the conversation, right? Um, Adam blames Eve and Eve blames the serpent and they hide the truth even from themselves that this is what is going on. There's a book um, called Open and Unafraid, uh, the, the Psalms as a Guide to Life. And, it, and the author says this, like Adam and Eve, when we hide from God, we become alienated from God and thus spend our strength trying to transcend life's limits, 
death, dependence, moral laws, God-given boundaries. When we hide from others, we cut ourselves off from the life-giving gift of community. When we hide from creation, we deny our God-ordained creaturely nature and often seek to exploit rather than to care for creation. And when we hide from ourselves, we become strangers to ourselves through selfish, self-indulgent behavior that ultimately does violence to our nature as humans made in God's image. And what the Psalms do is help us get out of this posture where we are just internally bent. And they help us expose ourselves to the all-loving, all-knowing, merciful God. When we're without language, the Psalms give us that language to examine our own hearts and anything we might be experiencing. The Psalms are really an honest gift to us for the spiritual journey. And as a parent, we, we understand this. We understand um, when our kids are trying to hide something from us, right? And when they've done something wrong and they just want to cover it up, you know, as a parent, you think, you know, my posture is going to be merciful to you if you would just come to me, right? We want to be a safe place, a safe landing place for their failures. And if we want to be like that, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to be like that? My middle child, um, you know, she's in kindergarten. They always get these little squares for behavior, you know, red, yellow, green. They come home with a little square in their folder. <laughs> and she always gets green squares. You know, it's not even something we even talk about. You know, I just see it in her folder and whatever. And, it, you know, all my kids are like that. Perfect at school, crazy at home, you know. <laughs> you know, the teachers would never believe me. <laughs> but... Um, so one day I got an email from my, her teacher that said, you know, she had a little scuffle with a kid at school. I think she pinched or did something. And so she was getting a yellow card that day. She just wanted me to know like that was coming home. And I was like, okay. You know, I don't even care that much, right? It's just one yellow card out of all these green cards, you know. So, but I wanted to know what happened, right? I want to parent her through it. So that day she comes home and usually she goes, you know, hangs up her backpack, goes straight to eat something, have a snack, right? And that day, she took her backpack straight to uh, the bathroom, went to the bathroom, and came out with her folder. and was like, Mom, look at what I brought home from school today and was showing me all the other stuff. And I already knew, right, that this was coming home because of the email. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, look, at, you know, I'm always interested in her work. And then I was like, oh, where's your, where's your square today? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And, uh, you know, and uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, you always get one where, you know, and she's trying to say, I don't know, I don't know. So I'd let it go for a little while, see how long it's going to take. I mean, the girl would not tell me that she got this yellow card. You know where I found it? In the trash can in the bathroom, right? And she would not confess to me because it's hard to admit that you did something wrong, that there is brokenness, right? And my posture was already embraced to her. I just wanted 
her to tell me, and with all my coaxing and all my giving her the availability to just tell me she, she couldn't do it. And we can be like this in our own relationship with ourselves and with God. But here's the beautiful thing. We're going to look at Psalm 139. And this is even a great psalm to memorize. I think I've memorized like the first six verses. But it's a great grounding psalm. Like if you are just like in a desperate place, have anxiety, whatever it is, this is a great grounding psalm. So, so listen to the first few verses here. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. There is nowhere in the entire universe that God is not present with us. And his love and support guide us, whether we find ourselves in darkness or whether we find ourselves in light. That's the good news when we're talking about being honest before God. Because we can trust God's character. We can trust who he is. We can trust that he is full of grace and mercy. So when we find ourselves in his presence, it's a great source of comfort. Even if we find ourselves in sin and brokenness or great joy and praise, he is there, the same person. You know, God <clears throat> chose David to be king, and we read in Scripture that um, David is called a man after God's own heart. He had this close, intimate relationship with God, but he also knew the depths of suffering when it came to his own sin. He was not without sin. And we can find this story in 2 Samuel 11, the Cliff Notes version, you know, he lusted after his neighbor's wife and he committed adultery with her. And then he covered up his sin by having her husband killed in battle. So it looked like it was an accidental death, but it was no accident. He commanded it to happen, to cover it all up, right? To hide from his sin. And David's standard for moral behavior is God's law. And that should be our guide as well. So David knew what God expected and understood like the depth of his sin and how far he had failed to meet God's standard. But being aware of the depth of his sin also made him aware of the depth of forgiveness that came when he confessed his sin to the Lord. And that brought him 
great joy. And we can receive the same kind of blessing when we live honestly before God. So we're going to turn to Psalm 32. And I'm going to read it for you. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confess all my sin to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. David knew what it felt like to be forgiven completely. And he also knew what it felt like to hide his sin and to cover it up. He says when he chose to hide his sin, his body and soul shriveled up. Guilt had a very real physical consequence for him. And when we keep things hidden from God, from ourselves, or from others, it, it just like drives this wedge between those relationships. Uh, maybe invisible, but it's there. And David, he finds joy when he comes clean to God. You know, he could have cried out to God and said, God, change these circumstances. These circumstances are unbearable. But you know how he finds relief? He finds relief through confession, which is fascinating. He finds relief through forgiveness. He was previously in denial, and then he, re he knows it. He comes clean about that, and he deals with it. <clears throat> and confession is really just an honest agreement to God about our sin. Instead of rationalizing it away or being defensive. And the New Testament talks about this. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing him that his word has no place in our heart. David found freedom, and so can you and I. Now, true confession, I didn't grow up uh, with any pets. I don't have any pets currently. 
I don't have a great desire to get, a, get pets. I have three small children that keep me quite busy. I'm open to changing that at some point. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And so also, you know, like farmland, farm animals out here in the country. I consider this country, right? Um, <laughs> a little bit more foreign to me. Um, so when David, he's talk, he brings up an animal analogy in here. You know, I just have to trust him that he knows what he's talking about. Um, horses, you know, I haven't had a ton of experience with. Um, but he says, you know, don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Well, you know, so I'm trusting David on his analogy, but here's, here's my analogy. I have raised two toddlers and I'm on my third toddler. And I would say from my experience that toddlers are similar to maybe a defiant horse. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with that. Both Dan and I have been in terribly embarrassing situations uh, where we're in the middle of Aldi or, you know, Walmart, and we just have that screaming toddler that will not budge, won't do what we want, you know, and the whole store is looking at us. And it, it's humiliating because you feel everybody's eyes and judgment on you. And uh, <laughs> where you just, you can't do anything about this irrational, uncooperative human that um, is wailing for the entire store to hear. And, you know, we used to be those, those people that judged those parents. And now we are those parents ourselves where um, we can't always control our toddlers, right? They have a mind of their own. And <laughs> what David is, is saying is basically our dishonesty of our soul's condition makes us like this uncooperative toddler. We're difficult to work with. We're just difficult to work with. We end up finding ourselves struggling and fighting against what's really going on in our souls. But when we, when we practice confession, we find ourselves in the loving arms of God every single time. When that unruly, uncooperative toddler in the middle of the grocery store would let us help them, you know, let us embrace them, we can, we, can, we can do what parents do best, right? It says, unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Verse 10. Just picture that. Unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. This is the pathway towards life. You know, and who you're becoming now carries with you into eternity. Every way that you change and confess and transform and become more closer to Jesus, like eternity has already started. You're becoming who you will be with him forever. And he gives us life and freedom to flourish as his children. So here's my um, two calls to action. I don't have it on the PowerPoint because I'm without my PowerPoint genius, Dan, today. <laughs> um, but grab a journal or even like your, your note app in your phone and just start writing out some honest thoughts and confessions and feelings 
with God. Practice that. What is it like this week to live more honestly before God? Because a lot of times we have our honest thoughts. We, have, we know in, in here, but we don't bring them before the presence of God and say, actually, you know, I've been dwelling on this thought. You know, when I'm, uh, like, where does your mind go? Oh, yeah, I've been worrying a lot about this, or I've been stressing a lot about this, or this is a behavior that keeps coming up. Okay, I've never really talked to God about that. <laughs> so take note of it. And have that conversation this week. Read Psalm 32. This is my second one that we just read. Psalm 32. Read it several times this week. And use it as a springboard to have this conversation with God. To have this prayer with God. And lastly, like, get together with a trusted friend. Talk to Dan and I. Like, let's have lunch or coffee We'd love to talk honestly just about what's going on in your life. Like, that's what we're here for. It brings us great joy to walk alongside of you, to walk life with you. So I'm going to ask the, the band to, to come up um, as we transition to worship. And then after worship, we'll have some, some ministry time. So God, thank you that you embrace us with your loving presence. I pray that your presence would come now in a, in a, in a tangible sense as we worship you, as we are honest and real and bear ourselves before you. Thank you that you are loving and merciful Thank you that we don't have to hide. Thank you just for the way that you show up in our lives. And God, we just invite your spirit here. And you pray that you just wash over this place with your presence, God. We love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.